Welcome. You have found the show we call Real Men Don't Cry, or do they? This is a podcast for men, and on this show, we will hear real-life stories from men about how they have navigated the complexities of being a man in this modern day. We are going to look at the boys don't cry way of thinking and how that has influenced them and how they have risen above societal pressures to be true to themselves. The focus of this show is men's real world experiences, not just ideas and theories. I hope that you will learn from what they have discovered and use it in your life as well. Let's get into today's show. Hello everyone, this is Brandon Archer. Welcome to another episode of Real Men Don't Cry, or do they? Today I have Kevin with me. McNee, is it McNee? It's yeah. McNee. McNee, okay. I, w- I read it, got it, get it before we got on here, and then I'm like, oh my God, I just gapped out because I had another Kevin a couple weeks ago. Welcome, man. When I put out the call for, you know, who I should interview, you put your hand up and I'm like, absolutely, because we've connected before and you're a fellow Canadian, which is yeah. super cool. And yeah, welcome. Thanks for, thanks for putting your hand up. Thanks, brother. It's uh, any opportunity to have like a real in-depth, open, vulnerable conversation where who the fuck knows where it's going to go is something that I'll I'll always put my hand up for and and I feel like that's the that's what's helped me the most on my kind of like healing journey um and I think that that's where you know it's uh, it's helped me the most and the more that I can do that the the more opportunities I'll take totally and that's what I've wanted this to be all about is like unscripted we're going to have a conversation we're going to be as real as we can be because I think men need to hear like real freaking conversations so why don't you take a minute and just tell everybody who you are, what you do, why you do it, a little bit of your journey, if you if you feel comfortable with that. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Kevin McNee. Um, I am a life transition coach, and I've been struggling with the what to call myself because the coach part is, I'm like, oh, am I a coach or am I a mentor or am I a guide, whatever it is, but ultimately it doesn't matter what I, what I support men through is transitions. And that's, you know, transition in a career transition in relationship transition from who they are, where they are to who they want to be and where they want to go. And that's literally the, the easiest and the most ultimate way to, to say that. Um, I've been through so many transitions over the last few years of my life, especially, but over the course of my life, transitioning and transforming in so many ways, um, from, you know, from being overweight and closet smoking to losing 50 pounds and completely transforming my body physically, and then mentally, emotionally, and spiritually going through the journey that comes along with that and, and, you know, hitting, hitting my forties and, and going, what am I, what is my life all about here? Living it for, you know, in, in all of these ways that I thought, you know, not to jump around too much, but I did so much of what I thought that I should do. What, what I, you know, what society, what my parents, what everyone, what was available to me that I thought that, that, Hey, this, this looks pretty good. There's a lots of people doing this. This, they look happy. I'm going to give it a try. Well, 
you know, I achieved everything that I thought that I wanted in that space and realized that that wasn't it. So, you know, that's, uh, it's been a journey. I continue to face myself and that's where I'm finding the answers. You know, the more, the more that I dig, the more that there is, and the more that I heal that, the, the better I feel. So it's kind of the journey that I'm on. So yeah, a little bit vague, but yeah. Thanks for asking. No, yeah, yeah. It's broad strokes. Um, kids. I have two kids. I have a 15 year old son and a 12 year old daughter. So navigating the, uh, the teenage years, you know, which I can remember when, when they were young going, Oh man, I wish they were like a little bit more self-sufficient. This is like, you know, having to feed them or whatever. And then all of a sudden getting to this point and I'm like, Oh man, it was sort of a lot of fun when they enjoyed my company and liked having. Yeah. <laughs> oh dude. I remember I had to like grieve the loss of their childhood and realized, Oh damn, they're like teenagers. That phase of life is gone. It was a real, real challenge as a, as a dad. Um, yeah. You, you had a lot in your share and I think, you know, what you do helping men and your, you know, what do I call myself? I want to, it's, it's funny. That really spoke to me because how old are you now? I'm 44. 44. So midlife, you know, all the questions come up. I get it. Been there. I'm a little older than you, but not much. And I too, like, I don't like using the word coach. I think it's like clinical. Uh, It's not as clinical as counselor, but I got a question for you. Do you feel like eldership in our society is gone? And that's the role maybe we're trying to define. That's ex- exactly, you know, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, and I've, I've thought about this. I've, I've felt into it. I've, you know, I've even spent time in a sweat lodge with an elder who's a friend of mine. And, and that's, I see so much of growing up where um, the, the elders in our society you know, I'll speak from myself. We talked about this too. And I want to speak from, you know, my experience is working up until we're, you know, we're not contributing anymore. And then all of a sudden it's then what, right? Working to retirement. That's the dream. And now you're not part of society. So you get put out to pasture where elder elderhood, you look at cultures past is the elders are cherished. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. They're the ones that are like celebrated because of the wisdom that they have. Right. And that's where it's like, what are, what are, where are our elders around to teach us what they know, whether it's, whether it's right or wrong for us, but where are they? You know, they're retired or living the retired life. Yeah. And, and that was the, you know, that was a so-called dream that, that we're all supposed to be chasing. It's like, hmm, is it? Yeah. I remember growing up, I looked to my grandfather for his wisdom. It was very interesting. I I felt I was really close with him. And, you know, this is way before I understood eldership and why we need it in society. And I would just like, okay, this man is wise. (laughs) I know he has something to teach me. And I think for me, I missed it. I, you know, once he passed away, I'm like, I felt a little lost, to be honest. You know, my dad 
was, you know, he, he did what he could for me, but I wanted more. I definitely mm. wanted more. And I think, of course. you know, as guys in their 40s, coaches, mentors, whatever we're trying to define, I think we're actually trying to be elders. I think that's actually what we're trying to do. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I've heard it, you know, in, in podcasts or, you know, other coaches, mentors, um, saying how lacking mentorship is for men. Mm. And it's not, it's not because our dads weren't doing the best that they could, no matter what, like, yeah, I mean, I have an amazing dad. I, he's still, my mom and dad are still married. They've provided for me in, in ways that, you know, that I'm super grateful for. But again, like you said, I did, there was a lot that I didn't get from him. He was away working a lot. Right. And as, as a kid, I took that on my own way, whatever, whatever it was, right. It wasn't that he didn't love me or he wasn't providing for me, but him not being there that allowed me to create these stories in my mind. Oh, well, maybe I'm not good enough or maybe I need to do more to have my dad around, but not having that guide, someone there to be open and communicate and share the stories, the experiences, his challenges, his fears, his dreams. <laughs> Anyone ever ask you what your dreams were when you were a kid, you know, or as a teenager or as like uh, in your twenties and thirties Yeah, as men, that's, that's not asked because this is kind of the route that you're supposed to take. And that's what our dads did and our grandfathers did. But they weren't taught to, you know, pass down the wisdom and the knowledge. And for me, wisdom is all encompassing. That's emotions. That's physical. That's spiritual. That's mental. That that's everything, right? I'm sad. This is why I'm sad. I'm struggling. Yeah. This is why I'm struggling. I'm fucking mad and I'm angry. And this is why. And I can deal with it in a you know, in a healthy way, instead of just like letting it build up and then taking a fucking sledgehammer to the lawnmower, which I did witness yeah. as a kid, right? <laughs> oh my God. I want to pull that thread, but like we talked before, I'm, I want this podcast to be about our experiences and maybe there's mm-hmm. a follow-up one we do, but I that's a great segue into one of the questions that I have is what were you taught about men and emotions when you were young? Um, you know, the first thing that comes to me was, um, losing sucks. Hmm. And if you tie, it's like kissing your sister. So that was one I heard that before. (laughs) That was a lesson that I got from my dad was, you know, when I started playing sports, um, he was a sports guy and, Love the fact that I played sports and I was naturally pretty, you know, I wasn't the, I wasn't the best, but I was naturally just pretty good at the things that I tried. And one of the things was, he said, losing sucks and a tie is like kissing your sister. And, you know, I knew, I knew what his temper was like when, you know, behind the scenes at at home. Um, So I, I knew that. And I saw that when I, when I played sports, If I didn't win, I knew that how much that meant to my dad. So it became my mission. And when I didn't, or if things weren't going my way, I was a, I was a savage, right? Mm -hmm. I am, I was, and and I'm a recovering nice guy. I call myself a recovering nice guy and people pleaser, but 
I was the, I was the prototype, like this, the, like the prototype of the nice guy where I love to be loved, needed, needed that love and validation from everyone, wanted to be liked, did everything that I could to get that. And everybody did, you know, everyone thought, you know, they always said, oh, you're such a nice kid. You know, you never complain. You're so easygoing and all of this stuff. But when I got onto the hockey ice or onto the baseball field or onto the golf course, if anything didn't go my way, it was look the fuck out, right? Um, people, other kids paid the price. Other adults paid the price when I played like rec hockey. And it, it, it came all the way into my adulthood, you know, seeking that validation and trying to find it from, you know, outside sources, which essentially I, I learned it to be my dad all of these years. That's wild. Did your dad shame you when you were a kid if you didn't win? Yeah, it was. It's interesting because, you know, looking back, um, it was. It was shame. Mm. And I've even I've even wrote him letters, even though he's he's alive and around. I, I wrote letters and read them to him over the years to going through my own healing journey. And I know that he was just doing the best that he could, but you know, the way that the way that he would shame me is through through being uh, passive aggressive, like that jokester. You know, I'd hit a I'd hit a ball into the into the bush at the golf course and he'd be like, Oh, you sure didn't want that one. Oh, I bet you I bet you sure pissed off at that shot, huh? And I'm like, Yeah, actually I fucking am pissed off, but you being captain obvious about it is actually making it even more more so right so you know that was it was little things like that right or um and i i can remember being overweight as a kid too you know he would uh he'd flick my love handles mm. right and you know or or like pinch them and, and call me chubby chicken and think that it was funny and you know i would laugh and and whatever but i just remember that being such something that i was like I was already so ashamed of how I looked in the mirror because that was kind of, you know, how I was raised. But when, when it was brought on by, by someone who's supposed to accept me and love me for who I am, no matter what, to hear that from him, when I already got teased about it at school or with other kids or, you know, myself looking in the mirror. Um, yeah, it was, I didn't, I didn't even really realize how much it affected me until I looked back on it through the years. Yeah, that's that's powerful share, man. Cuz we as you, as you probably know, like we when we're young, well even into our 20s really like we look to our parents as gods. Like yeah. fundamentally that's what they are to us. We're looking to them for everything, for any kind of guidance. So when they shame us for just being just literally existing, that leaves some that leaves some scars and that leaves some stuff for us to deal with. Did you in those letters you wrote to him, did you address that kind of stuff? All of it. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. And you actually I, read it to him? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, it's like it's the it was the single most powerful healing experience that, that I've ever went through. And I mean I've done I've done breath work. I've done 
ayahuasca. I've, you know, I've done all sorts of spiritual stuff. I went through the sweat lodge and, and that was the single most um, healing experience and transforming experience that I've been through. Um, the first letter that I ever wrote, I knew that if I read it to him, he would, it would kill him. And I'm, I'm not sure if my dad will ever listen to this podcast, but you know, um, we've had these discussions now recently and, and again, facing, facing these challenges and, and trying to like build our relationship on a solid foundation. Um, yeah, the, the very first letter that I wrote and I went through it and, you know, not edited it, but I just rewrote it five or six different times. But the first time that I wrote it, I couldn't. I couldn't believe the the vile stuff that I had inside of me that I wanted to say to him. <laughs> and again, like my dad's an amazing man. Um, everyone that's ever worked for him that knows him says that. And that's what I've always heard my whole life. But I was like, mm, I know a different side too. Right. So that was also part of my, my struggle going, growing up. But when I, uh, when I was writing that letter the first time and, and you know, the power of journaling. And it's, it's one of the things that, that I, I say is the most powerful tool. If you were to choose one, like start journaling, right. Um, the stuff that came up, I'm like, Oh my God, I got the chills thinking about it. It's like, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe like, I forgot about that. Like it was, you know, I remember like going back and feeling that into that, that, exact experience going fuck i didn't even realize how much that affected me because i got so used to just like oh that one hurt wall oh that one hurt coat of armor right and yeah once i started to you know take those take those layers off and the 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 coats of armor and started to recognize where you know where i was still hanging on to all that stuff so how did your dad react to the letters? You said multiple. So like, man, you just opened a can of worms. I've never, <laughs> I've done exercises where you don't bring this to your parent, but I've never mm-hmm. actually talked to anybody that's, I might have to do yeah. this after. <laughs> <laughs> I never, uh, I never, I never planned to. I never planned to. I was like, no way that he could ever deal with this or what I want to like, yeah, like, I mean, he's, he's my dad, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, do I want to open this can of worms? And do I want to risk, like, losing him altogether? Or, like, hurting him to the point where I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, right? But in turn, I was like, am I just hurting myself by not doing that? Yeah. Right? And there is, there is such power. Like, the, when I wrote it, I read it out loud. I read it to my partner. And then I threw it in the fire. And I burnt it and just made it that ceremony. And, and, you know, this is something I, I know that I know that you're very ceremonial and ritualistic as well. And, and there's such power in like that visual and physical letting go. And I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Right. And again, I was there was just the stuff that I, I felt like the next layer deeper was maybe writing another letter and writing another letter. And finally, it got down to where I'd rewritten it five or six times. And each time got a little bit better. And I was doing an Akashic Records reading with my partner. And she was, she, 
was doing a reading for me and she said the next thing that's holding you back is you is healing finally healing with your dad and i'm like i got to read him the letter and that was the first thing i needed needed to read him that letter and i was i right then i sent him a text message and said I have something that I want to talk to you about. It's a letter that I wrote and it's going to be pretty heavy. So when you got some time, let's, um, let's make time to connect. <laughs> and he responded and said, I'm not busy right now. And I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> uh, not what you're expecting. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh man, give me, give me at least like a, a day or two. Right. But you know what? It was kind of like that uh, ripping off the bandaid, so to speak. And yeah, I read him the letter and I just, I said, these are my experiences and I went through it and, and picked off a bunch of the ones that were the most impactful for me. And I just let them know why they were and, and, and what they were and what I felt and how it impacted me throughout my life. And then at the end I said, you know, I would never, ever pick another father. Mm -hmm. You were the best father that I could ever have dreamed of. And I forgive you and I love you and I'm no longer taking this with me. This is, this is complete for me. This is like full circle healing. So you can respond, you can react, you can reply, whatever, however, but I'm, I'm now free and I'm letting this go. Right. And his reaction, I think that was the original question was his reaction. Right. Um, his reaction was, you know, well, fuck, I did the best that I could. Mm -hmm. Right. Which absolutely hundred percent. And he's, you know, he wasn't sure, wasn't sure how to respond or, he, you know, he took some time to think about it. And it's actually quite a story from here. Um, I felt that I needed to do it right then, like right away. And within two weeks, and you can relate to this as well, because I know that you, you survived a heart attack. Um, my dad ended up having heart, heart conditions and, and heart issues. And he was in Arizona and he went to the doctor and the doctor said, you're not leaving this hospital. Hmm. So he ended up having quadruple bypass surgery wow. literally within two weeks from that point. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, fuck, I killed him. Right. But more so when I actually like thought about it and felt into it, I'm like, imagine if I was hanging on to that still and I lost them and I didn't get to, you know, say what I needed to say and, and have him know who I am and why I am. Because what I'm doing, you know, being a, uh, a men's coach, a leader, building a business by helping men open up, be vulnerable, sharing and, and healing their wounds. That's, that's a job that, you know, our fathers or, you know, people in industry, which is where I come from. A lot of them don't understand that. How can that be a business or how can that be a job? So, you know, when in going through these conversations and, and healing this, it's like now he can see why I am the way that I am and what I'm do why I'm doing what I'm doing. So it was uh it was a pretty powerful spirit experience. But through that he responded with a text and it had to have been about two feet long if I was measuring it. And he came back and he's like, I wanted to respond in a way that uh that wasn't reactive. 
and it wasn't out of anger or, you know, wasn't out of defense. And he came back with, you know, a lot of times he, he was, you know, didn't remember. Mm. And other times he's like, this is what I was going through. This is what I was struggling with. They put my brother up for adoption, my mom and dad, and then stayed together and had my sister and I, and they were forced to do that. So when he thought about, you know, one of the situations was where he could, all he could think of was what my mom looked like when she had to give up my brother for adoption. And he felt that he was losing me and it scared the shit out of him so bad that he just reacted out of anger. But essentially it was fear. Right. And I'm like, all I'm like, man, it just explains so much. And I just had like this empathy and compassion for him instead of going like being that victim of me. Oh, this is how I'm feeling. And this is how I'm hurting, which is all valid. But it just came from a more empowered place where I'm like, Oh, I can, I can now walk in his shoes a little bit too. And, and I feel like that's where so many of us lose, lose track and not seeing the other side of the fence. Yeah. Because they're humans. So we, as kids, we're like, we put them on a pedestal. They are God, like in a, in by almost by definition, they are. And I really invite people to like, look at this. Like when you're a kid, you are looking to your parent for everything. And they're held to a standard in our minds when we're adults. It's not realistic. And then at this, as you unwind this stuff, there you realize, oh my God, they're just a human being. And my hurt is they didn't mean to hurt us. <laughs> like, like that took me years and years to like, oh damn, the this is just the way life works. Yeah, we can't yeah, have well, perfect parents. It's impossible. But where totally. we're missing in society is that eldership to teach us, hey, guess what? Like your emotions are yours. Your hurt is yours. Yes, somebody's behavior our parents or our gods might have made us feel that way, but it's not up to them to fix it. Mm -hmm. We could, we together with them, we can repair a connection, which is, I, man, I'm so curious about the connection you and your dad have now, but what you just shared is like, that is some next level humanship in my opinion, because not a lot of us go to that, that, level of dealing with things that happened in our childhood it's, dude you're you're blowing my mind actually because <laughs> i've done work around that but i've never actually done that with my parents i've done it through poetry um but never you know brought it to them so i have to really think about <laughs> maybe it's time to do that yeah what? it's um yeah it was pretty power it's a super powerful um yeah next level for sure what is your connection with him like today so going through like uh the experience up until that point they they kind of knew that i was on a journey right and maybe didn't understand it or like kind of like this woo woo but um through that we have started to connect more right you know and and there's there was times of reaction where my, you know, my dad would be like, I just, 
I don't understand where you're at. I like, I, and maybe I never will, but I never, I never, my, I lost my dad when I was young and, and he, uh, you know, he never taught me a whole bunch of stuff and my brothers were older and all of this stuff. Right. And I was just like quiet for a second going, thanks for sharing that. I didn't, I didn't know that you've never shared that mm-hmm. with me. And he was just like, I could see him just like, Whoa. Okay. Um, you know, he, uh, he reached out. So long story short, our relationship is starting to grow together on a deeper and different level. Right. My, my, my family, myself included for most of my life dealt with everything on the surface. As long as the image was mm-hmm. portrayed. Okay. Um, then we were good. Right. Talk about the weather, talk about sports, talk about work. That was how we dealt with things until there was a blow up. And if it made somebody uncomfortable, then there was anger. And the way that my dad would deal with it is he would just get angry and loud until the point when everyone else just shut down. And that was my thing. My, my response was the freeze. I learned that from my mom and it was just like, okay, I'm afraid of conflict. I'm just going to let it go and he it'll settle down and, and deal with it. But through this process and confronting him and knowing that, that he doesn't have that power over me anymore has shifted our dynamic to where it's almost like I'm the father, I'm the parent and he's the child. And he's like, you know, messaging me being like, Hey, I, I ran in a 5k today. I went for, you know, I went and did this or, um, I was watching the I was watching the news the other day and a ship got stuck in the Panama Canal and I know that you believe in like that full moon energy and the power around it. Well, the full moon raised the ocean enough and it plucked that that ship out of the Panama Canal. He's like, and I thought about you and I'm like, no shit. Well, I said I appreciate you thinking about me. I love you, right? And and that's how it shifted. But you know, we've had we've had some challenges come up along the way where you know, where triggers come up and old wounds happen, old wounds get opened up and, you know, there's a reaction and I'll say, I told you that I wasn't going to accept that anymore. Mm-hmm. And this, if this is the last time, then it's the last time. But I, I said, I'm not going to be talked to like that. I'm not going to allow you to speak like that. And I'm okay with if if you're going to do that but i'm okay with this is the boundary and and cutting it off and that's what that letter and those those type that conversation that allowed because i've i've come to peace with everything right man that is incredibly powerful and that reparenting component i i've recently had something come up um, in my men's group where I had to really sit with what the man was saying and realize, oh, damn it. I represent his father to him right now. And what I've learned from that, and you're helping me kind of suss this out more with your share is this is not linear. Like we think eldership and, and father type stuff has to come generational down. But as you are leading your own healing, you can help your dad heal too. It's, it's wild. And this yeah. is subconscious. Like I know you, you and I have the language to understand this, but 
the reality is for any man, when you own your experience and your feelings and your hurt and your pain, you are not just healing you. Like that's not the way this works. Mm-hmm. You, you are literally helping your dad heal. And that is blowing my mind right now. Because I've had other men in my life say their relationships with their dad, they're opening up. And it's because they didn't get that mentorship or eldership or teaching from their dad. They still crave it. They still need it. How freaking cool is that, that you can do that for your dad? I think that oh, that's mind-blowing. Yeah, man, it was, it was pretty incredible. And, and we had an experience here just recently where um, I had to set a boundary with my son. Right. My son, my son lived with me full time since my separation five years ago and divorce. Um, my son lived with me the majority of the time for the last three years, you know, so 12, you know, 13, 14, 15 years. And we'd been dealing with a lot of the same things and, and recognizing where, you know, respect was starting to go down. Listening was starting to go down. We were dealing with some of the same issues that we'd been dealing with three years ago. And our conversations and communication between my son and I are really good. And, and we have a really good, we can communicate and I'll listen to him. And, I, and that's where I believe that he, he feels safe to bring, like, to bring his anger, to bring his resentment, to bring all of that. But it got to the point where I was getting dumped on. I was getting all of that because he wasn't dealing with it with anyone else, with his mom, with his sister, with any of his struggles that he was dealing with. So I had to set a boundary and and say, you know what? I don't, you don't get to treat me like shit and treat everyone else. Okay. Just because I'm going to sit here and listen to it. And, you know, it came down to where it was like, you know, if you're, if you're going to continue to act like this, then you're choosing not to be in this space and you can, you'll you can spend the majority of the time with your mom because that's where the biggest challenge is because he felt like he couldn't talk to her he was afraid to like talk to her because she would just shut him down or blame him for stuff and and i totally get it i mean we were married but mm-hmm. it's um i'm like but that's i said and that's okay but you don't get to take that out on me and that's a boundary right so I had to follow through on my boundary. And that was my biggest fear as a father going, you know, you're going to go back to stay with your mom because you know what our, my boundaries are and we created them together. But this is what's going to happen. And if you want to live with me, I said, the door is always open. But I said, there are rules to be followed and that's no different with anything in life. And again, that is my biggest fear was like, I've always wanted to be chosen by my dad, by my partners, by my kids. And I finally was, and here I am, you know, giving him, you know, giving him back or, you know, feeling like a failure. I'm a failure as a father, failure as a parent. And then the reaction of my dad when that happened was a a blow up to where he was like, didn't want to talk to me again because I was abandoning my, my son. And I was like, so to deal with this situation of me so supposedly abandoning my son, as you say, 
you're going to abandon your son. And I was, and that's where I, you know, I, again, following through on what I said, I said, you don't get to react like this. And I told you that the last time and, and that was it. So for about three or four days, I didn't know if I was ever going to talk to my dad again, because he told me, you know, this is, if I hear from you again, it'll be too fucking soon. And I was like, okay, if that's how you feel, I said, I'm, I've been pretty clear on where I'm at right from the get go. And I said, I don't know if I'm making the right decision. I may be making the worst mistake that I've ever made, but I said, going on dealing with stuff, the way that it's going is not helping anything. So I'm willing to try something different and see what happens. Right. I'll admit my mistakes and and I'll learn from them as I go, just like I've been doing. But I said, just continuing on thinking and hoping that things are going to get better. It isn't fucking working. And it never worked for me in my childhood. It never worked for me through adolescence. It never worked in my marriage. And I refuse to do that any further. So. Wow. My son is 18 now. So I, (laughs) what a ride it is. Hey, yeah. As he's young, you know, these boys try to transition into being a man. What the hell does that even look like? Right. And it's tricky. Yeah. And not only from our standpoint as fathers, but, you know, depending on the mother's understanding of that role that a father has in a teenage boy's path. Like, we don't know. We're so disconnected from what that's supposed to look like. And if you, I'm sure you have too, like if you look into the, um, what our role is, it's pretty important. It's pretty important. And when I hear you sharing, it's like, he's, that's great. He feels like he can come to you. It's just, he's, our role is to teach them this is how a man deals with his emotions. And there's personal boundaries. Like we all feel that way, but mm-hmm. how do we teach them? You can have those big feelings, but your behavior can't be driven by it. That's the, totally. like, how in the hell do you explain that? to somebody i i don't i still don't i mean i've experienced my change in in allowing my emotions to rule my behavior and now my behavior is more of a choice as a teenage boy is developing his brain can't keep up like it's not till age 26 that their brain is completely developed he's 13 he's halfway there it's a challenge dude so yeah man i feel for you in that one that's a that's a tricky one yeah. And it's something, you know, something to going through that. I'm like, what am I teaching him by allowing him to continue to disrespect myself, my partner, our home and me just allow it. What am I teaching him going forward when somebody starts treating him that way and walking all over him? I with fully no back, agree with no you. Boundaries. And I'm like, you know what, as hard as this is, as much as I'm, you know, I'm going to be judged, I'm going to have the opinions of others, I'm, you know, not supporting my child or, you know, fostering that, whatever that looks like, the words or the thoughts and opinions and feelings of others. I'm like, this is what I need to do 
because I feel like down the road, he's going to see my dad never let me walk on him, but he also didn't let anyone else do that either. Mm. And I'm like, I told him, I've told him, and these are the conversations we have. I said, I was like that for the first 39 years of my life. I said, I made a vow that I will never be like that again. And I will continue to walk the, walk the talk and face what I need to face to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And that means for you as my son, it means towards your mother, to my parents, to everyone in my life, I will stand up for myself and let them know where I stand. And I'll be open and clear on that. Because those are my boundaries and that's how I'm going to live. And if you can take even a fraction of that, you're going to be a fuck of a lot better off than I am and, and catch on to it a lot sooner. So it may not feel good right now and it doesn't, but you know, but this that's is, the uh, thing is none of this stuff feels good. It's no. <laughs> uncomfortable. And when we've in the past and our lives, like taken the route that we avoid the discomfort where we're, we're out of alignment with who we are and our sovereignty and, you know, respecting ourselves. And it's just hard as a, as a, a dad of a teenager, because I get it. It's like, oh, if I cut them off, or if I set a boundary, they're going to, they might feel rejected. But cognitively, no, this is good for them as a human being. I, I had an experience a while ago. <laughs> um, I read this Dan Baker book, just so good. I got to, I've reread it twice. I'm going to reread it again. And one of the things he had in there was, you know, what do you appreciate in your life? And I think he suggested three things and I picked three things. And I can't remember what they are, but I asked my son one day, I don't I think we were having pizza on the, down by the boardwalk and uh, I said hey I, I, I learned this thing and I, I was really curious like what are three things you appreciate trying to actually like pass on some knowledge and and he's like I really appreciate that you're constantly trying to help me be a better person and I'm like what <laughs> 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 so you know I just share that because there's a part of your son probably too, the same goddamn thing. He's like, this hurts. I don't fully understand it, but I think dad's got my back on this one. And that's where our fathers were doing things that they thought were best for us, you know, like maybe the passive aggressive shaming. That was their version of what we're talking about now. Like, I gotta totally. like, I gotta bump you this way in life. But now, like, we're kind of in such a cool time in the world and dangerous where we have access to so much information. Life is technically easier than ever, like with food and shelter. The basics are pretty much covered. And now we get to evolve on this level, emotional mm -hmm. connections with people. And our bumping our kids on the, on the you know, better path to of life it just looks different now if you choose to Absolutely. gain that knowledge if you choose to like deal with your own shit see what happened go oh god damn it this happened that happened okay not my dad's fault not my mom's fault and now we're doing our best it just looks different a hundred percent one of the 
you know, one of the things that, that keeps coming up is, is that leadership by example. And the thing that, that I had to keep coming back to is I'm not asking my kids to do anything that I'm not doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like for, for many of us, and I'll just do speaking for myself is I was being asked to do things that my parents weren't doing right. Doing, but when I'm, when I'm, what I'm talking about is, is taking care of ourselves, right. Yeah. Taking care of your body, eating properly, um, reading, spending less time on your screens, uh, being mindful, having meaningful conversations, emotional regulation, like all of that stuff. I'm practicing that and trying to pass that on to them by example. They see me doing it, right? And this is, you know, for for all of the the men and the women who are listening to this podcast. What are you asking of your kids that you're not doing? Are you leading by example, right? If you want them to, you know, to connect deeper and eat better and exercise and live the best, most fulfilling life possible. But you're literally going through the motions by just, you know, committing yourself to work, being distracted, all of the activities, complete disconnection and distraction. You're actually not teaching them how to do that. And they're losing out. And so are you. Right. And I'm not saying that that I've got it all figured out. Because I lived my life like that. For for 39 years of my life, I lived my life like that. And there's still times where I do, where I catch myself, you know, being mindlessly distracted and going, oh, well, you know what? At least I caught myself this time and, and I can, you know, reel myself back in. But yeah, it's, it's just, that's one of the things that, that I take so much pride in now in leading by example and the mistakes that I made, apologizing and and yeah and rewriting them right if i if i can coming back to my son and being like hey i'm really sorry i reacted in that way but when when you told a lie like that i recognized when i was a kid i used to lie like that too and it really caused some problems for me holy crap what a share man because like everything's a mirror so when our kids like let's say let's just use the lie thing it it brings up I did that or I have the capacity to do that too. And it can trigger us. And unless you have the awareness of why am I getting so pissed off at my kid? It can really mess up the mm-hmm. connection and they can feel that shame um, yeah. that, we're, that we're talking about. And I've, I, I totally agree with you on the example thing. And one thing I've tried to do is empower them to feel comfortable to come to me when I make them feel hurt. Because I, yeah, maybe it is my behavior. Maybe I did do something out of line, but I view it also as, let me teach you how to deal with that hurt. And if it's about you, you need to set a boundary with me. Cool. Let's do that. I'm cool with that. But in order for me to be in that place, I've had to deal with my shit. Otherwise I, I view it, you know, kind of what your dad said to you like well then i'm not talking to you well that you're just perpetuating the cycle we're here to like try to break the cycle 
Totally. And that's, and that's it. Like, you know, like you, you spoke to it by reparenting, right? Yeah. It's reparenting ourselves through our kids. And then even like to look at my relationship with, with my father, I'm reparenting myself. And in turn, he's getting me as a parent that he needed. It's like, it's so wild. It's girl, you know, the, the generational healing goes uphill and down. And that was a reflection that a, that a brother of mine that I was talking to, he's like, man, you're healing backwards and forwards. And I, I was like, I guess, yeah, I didn't even think about it that way. So yeah, it's, uh, it's something that just came up. So, well, this is how one man can heal the world. I, I will die on this hill of one man can heal the world because of the ripple effect. We don't, Mm. Unless you slow down and realize the more I work on myself, you're affecting your dad. But you're not only affecting your dad. His relationship with all the people in his life is slowly morphing too. Like it's mind-blowing if you actually look at how that works. And I say that so passionately because I personally get irritated by organizations trying to change the world. I'm like, that's not how we're going to make change. We're going to like individually own our lives, reconnect with ourselves, reparent ourselves, and we just watch what would happen if we all, more of us did that. It'd be wild. Yeah. yeah I mean, I can promise the world on my Instagram feed, right? <laughs> you can too. And, and, you know, that's, that's all part of it. You know, there's a confidence. There's, you know, I know what, what I've done for myself i know what i've supported other men and women through as as you have as well but essentially we're just showing them themselves 100 percent them what's what's capable within them because we're what they haven't had yet and that's where you like you said eldership mentorship whatever word that you choose it's they're getting what they needed so it's like a support system where they can now open up and go, Oh, this is what I'm feeling. This is where I've been struggling. This and this and this. Oh, now I see myself. This is who I've always wanted to be. This is who I've always meant to be. I didn't think yeah. that I could ever be this person. And it happened literally because they just opened themselves up. Well, you said something earlier about like, when we were kids, did anybody ever ask us what our dreams were? I remember a lot of my dreams and I've actually fulfilled quite a few of them in my forties, which just blew my mind. But you nailed it. It's like, uh, who are you? Like you get to re- be reintroduced to yourself. Yeah. Yourself is there. You're like authentic <clears throat> self, your sovereign self. There's lots of different terminology. He, they or, or he or she never went anywhere. It just got, layered over with beliefs with shame all these things and the the eldership the mentorship the coaching is a good one is just teaching you how to do that yourself get at it yeah and i just i i say that because it's funny before we got on this recording we're like we're just gonna stay on stories and we have you've shared a ton but I also think there's a time and a place to share like the why this stuff's so important, how you do it. Because my goal with these podcasts is like share with men 
what can you see in your life that's similar to what Kevin just shared? Guarantee you, guarantee you guys are like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. I went through something similar. And that's beautiful. Um, It's so challenging to keep these to an hour because, you know, there's so many good things, so many ways we could, we could take it. Um, What do you ever remember? See your dad crying? Yeah, I do. And, you know, when I think back, like, I'll, the first memory that comes to mind is when, when my aunt passed away, mm-hmm. my aunt passed away at 39 years old of a, of a massive heart failure. Right. My cousin was sitting right beside her in the car. She went to put the keys in the ignition and literally slumped, slumped <sighs> over the wheel dead instantly. And my dad, I can remember my dad crying then. And it wasn't even till recently like oh, through these conversations that I mean, and I understood that he was sad because my aunt passed away. I never really knew her that well. I'd met her a few times and I could, you know, he was sad, right? I'm like, Oh, okay. Crying means sad, but never talked about it later on in life. So just recently when we were talking, we were having a conversation and, and I don't even know how we got into it, but he just like, my grandma was, was 44 years old when my dad was born. He was the youngest of seven kids. And he's like, my mom was never really around. Like she never raised me. My sister did. Mm-hmm. She was 10 years older than me and she just loved me. And I loved her. She raised me. I lived with them, you know, when, when we got older through high school and he went to school, high school in Kamloops. And he's like, my mom passed away like shortly after I was born, my, my grandmother, my dad's mom passed away. And he's like, I lost my mom. Oh man, I can feel this. And then he goes, and then I lost my mom again. And I was like, holy fuck. Like I never even thought about that. Right. You know, just that was the, the closest person that he had to his mom in his life. And he was like, and I literally could rewind all the way back to when I was six years old when that happened. And I'm like, now I could see him for who he was, you know, for that. You know, there's there's all the layers gone. There's yeah. all of the, you know, there's there's the man, right? There's the there's the little boy. Yeah. There's the man, the human, not the God that we expect our parents to be. It's not it's actually not a fair a fair thing to do to them as adults. It's time to see them as who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I can remember him crying in like the weirdest times, commercials, mm. movies where I'm like looking at him going like, I don't get it. Like, why, why are you crying? Right. But in learning is like, there's so much that was like buried underneath, buried inside that, I may never know, right? Maybe he doesn't even know. Yeah. Because it's never been addressed, right? But all of a sudden it's like hits a nerve or strikes a nerve. And I mean, as a parent, as a parent, that happens too, right? Like, you know, seeing my kids as babies and then, you know, hearing about a a two year old getting hurt or, you know, thinking about, you know, 
you know, a child getting cancer or something like that. And it just like literally like rips you apart. It still does. Right. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but you know, it's definitely opens you up on all levels. Yeah. So you saw your dad cry commercial stuff. I think that's kind of cool personally, because a lot of guys never, what, what, when you cried as a teenager or a young, young boy, what, what was said to you? What feedback did you get? You know what the the strangest thing, and I love that this podcast is named, you know, why, you know, do real men, men cry? Yeah. Real, do real men cry or do they, right? Is like, I, when I, when I did cry growing up, like through, you know, as I was growing up, it had to be something major. And when I did, I couldn't contain it. I couldn't speak. I couldn't, it just came out as like this explosion and it happened in the times where yeah it was it was no different than my anger it would bottle up bottle up bottle up bottle up and then come out in an explosion and my tears and the way that I cried were the same way I didn't cry when I was sad I didn't cry when I was hurt mm-hmm. it I cried when it was absolutely I had nothing else left and it was just hit rock bottom. At least that's how it felt for me. Right. And a lot of times it was because I felt like I was doing so much to, to try and be loved and accepted. And, and I wasn't, hmm. and I didn't know, didn't know what else to do. So that's when the crying came. And how was it received by your parents? It felt like I was received for the first time. Right. And seen because they're like, oh, this is sad. So he's actually hurting. Hmm. Right. Because as a people pleaser and the nice guy like I was, I was really good at covering it up, putting on a happy face or, you know, distracting or deflecting. And when that happened, it was like it was almost like they could see me for real for the first time. In those times. And still that way. Wow, man. It's powerful. Okay. We could go on and on, but I want to I wanna start moving towards concluding this. I've got a question I like asking everybody near the end, and that is, what message do you have for a previous version of yourself? You're good enough, and you're worthy of everything that you desire. You don't have to justify who you are, what you want, and what you do. That's something that I wish that I would have heard, you know, for the longest time. And, and you know, I, I see you and, and I'm, I'm here for you. I got your back no matter what. And I'm going to help. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you reach your dreams and fulfill it, whatever that looks like. Awesome. Kim, where can people find you? I'm pretty active on, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, a little bit on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's kind of one that uh, maybe needs more of the most authenticity. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like learning to lean in there. But um, Instagram at Kevin underscore heart warrior. Um, Kevin McNee, warrior of the heart on Facebook. And uh, 
and yeah, we've I've got uh, Warrior Within Collective, which is a private membership for men, um, where we get in there and do the work, and and it's you know we've got some structure. We're having real conversations. We're building each other up, challenging each other, confronting our shadows, and doing breath work. And you know, I know that uh, you've got a powerful men's group too, and I think that there's no there's no end to the amount of these groups that we need no. in the world. And um, I will speak to this till the day that I die. There's nothing like men supporting other men. And I can feel that too. Like you have to experience it to understand. And there's just absolutely nothing like it. I've also got a free men's group that's called the heart warriors. And we connect online once a month for free. We connect in person once a month here in Grand Prairie, Alberta. And that's all, that's all by donation. And, uh, there's guys that have, have started coming to that, that have been waiting for two years to even like come out of their house. Yeah. And they, they said how much it's changed their life. Just, you know, being witnessed by other men. And, and I'm telling you men, it doesn't matter what level you are on society's scale. Go and join a men's group. I, it'll, it will change your life. I absolutely well, guarantee it. Fully agree. Thanks for serving men so powerfully in so many different ways, man. Send me all those links. I'll make to make sure to put them in the show description. Thanks for being here, man. That was amazing. Absolutely, brother. And and thank you for being so um, real and raw. Uh, I really admire you, your content, and who you are as a person. So thank you for showing up. As Thanks, you man. Are as well. Thanks. See you soon. Thanks for taking the time to be here today. I honestly hope you found something you can use in your life. And I hope you found some relief in knowing that you're not the only one with challenges. We can be very isolated as men. If you don't have support in your life, please reach out to someone. It's okay to need help. It doesn't mean that you're less of a man. In fact, it takes a courageous man to know when it's time to ask for guidance. Until next time, brother.